0: Father in heaven, we invite your Holy Spirit now once again, that as we open your word, we might understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We live in a world today where we understand pretty much where we live. So this is like review, right? Let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say that many will come in Christ's name? Has that happened? Does the Bible say there will be wars and rumors of wars? Has it happened? Does the Bible say nations shall rise against nation? Has that happened? Does the Bible say many shall be offended? Yeah. It, 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 has there been betrayal? Has there been hatred? False prophets? Yeah. Iniquity shall abound? If it gets any deeper, we're going to be swimming in it. Instead of just waiting in it or thinking it's, it's there, we'll be actually swimming in it. Um, love shall wax cold. You know, I heard a story recently in the news. There was this thing where this family had how many? Thirteen children. And they had them all locked up and chained up. And what is that? If that's not love waxing cold, I'm not sure what it is. Let me ask you a question. Has our sun been darkened? And, and it this has more than one application, you understand. The sun, there was a dark day. We know that. Not only that, but the light of God has been nearly extinguished in our world in many, many places on our planet. The moon shall not give her light. Yeah. The stars shall fall. Yes or no? Distress of nations, yes or no? The sea and the waves roar. Have we had tidal waves and and, and tsunamis? Yes. And, And because sometimes the warnings are even fake or the warnings are accidental, as happened in Hawaii not too many weeks ago, when they sent out the text, incoming nuclear, this is not a drill. And the whole island went into panic because everybody on the whole... Uh, on the network and the whole entire Hawaiian islands got this text. Incoming, not a drill. People are looking around, they're thinking, this is my last few minutes of life, what am I going to do? Men's hearts failing them for fear. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. Okay, so what have I just been reviewing? Matthew 24, yes. Luke what? Luke 21, Mark what? mark 13 mark 13 luke 21 matthew 24 these things this is the condition under which we exist today our theme for our conference this weekend was has been education for such a time as this so if we're talking about such a time as this then what time are we talking about right now just having seen this what are we talking about we're talking about the time of the end or the end of time And I'm going to say it this way. On the the prophetic clock, we're talking about the moment before Jesus comes. Now, so these three chapters, if you study them, what happens next? Matthew 24, verse 30 And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mark 13, verse 26, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Luke 21, verse 27, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is the context. We have just reviewed the signs and this when it says, and then, and then follows what we just talked about. And what we just talked about, I didn't, anyone hear, I didn't hear anyone say, none of those things have happened. I didn't even hear anyone say that any of the those, that list that we just went over, all of those things, in fact, have happened, right? Now, I left out one. Which one did I leave out? I left out the one that says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. I did that for a reason, because I I wanted you to notice that the list of things that's been done is long, and the list of things that hasn't been complete is short. I wanted you to notice that the next thing in the history of prophecy, and the history... Now, let me just ask another question. Who was it that was... that? If you have a Bible with red letters, I want you to look at those chapters and tell me, are most of the letters red, or are most of the letters black? They're mostly read because it was Jesus himself talking about what was going to be. It wasn't somebody writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus himself. These are Jesus' words. And if there's anyone we can trust, maybe we need to ask Dr. Simon to write another book, The Words of Jesus. Maybe not, because it's already here. We have it, Right? We have the word of God. We understand the prophecies. We know, by virtue of just reading this, where we live. We, we're not ignorant of the situation. True or false? We are not ignorant of the situation in which we find ourselves. And so today, we ask ourselves the question, why? You know, delayed? Really? Are we waiting still? Why are we waiting still? What's going on? Second Peter And and Peter addresses this, actually 2 Peter chapter 3, it's a whole chapter about this topic of why we wait and what's going on. And Peter is addressing this, and he says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day's scoffers walking after their own lust. Is that a condition we could identify with today? Yeah. So that's going to happen. And saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Do we have scoffers today? A whole multitude of them. If you stand up, even in a classroom today in most public universities, and you say, I believe in the second coming of Jesus, I believe in creation, I believe in... You'll get laughed your professor will probably scorn you. And in fact, that's not the only place it happens, unfortunately. I was talking with a young man, a friend of mine, who is from the country of Russia. His his parents, I met them in Russia when I was traveling there a year or two ago. And anyway, I got connected with him and and uh, they came to the States to visit, and they brought his family by to visit, and we were having a good visit there. And he's attending one of our Seventh-day Adventist universities here in the United States of America, and this is what he told me. He said, I feel a little out of step with with the rest of the people in my classes because I have certain convictions, and when I talk about those convictions, it's like I'm on another planet. And I feel like I'm kind of condemned for holding some of these convictions. So he's kind of like from the old school, you know? And I go like, oh, it's too bad, you know? It's unfortunate. So our world today is scoffing, and there are even some people in our church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, who are scoffing. Really? You're still waiting for Jesus to come? Yeah, I am. So Jesus went on, after he talked about what was going to happen, and he gave these warnings, he went on to give some counsel. So here's what he did. He said, this is, these are the signs of my coming, and then you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, and now I want to help you understand what to do while you wait. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Watch, therefore for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Verse 44, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 25, verse 13, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Mark chapter 13, verse 33, take ye heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus uh, tells a little sentence parable there. And he says, I have given to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. And in verse 35, he said, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Lest coming, suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. What? Watch. you getting the, you getting a hint here of what we should be doing? Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Verse 34. And take heed to yourselves. And verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. All right? What have you got so far? Well, okay, we're going to drift to Revelation before we summarize. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. If therefore thou shalt not, what? Watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will become upon me. Pretty important. We need to be watching. So why is is Jesus delaying? Why is there this time happening? And why would he not come by now? Because if you want to face the reality of it, if you and I had to choose, Jesus would have come yesterday, or last week, or last month, Or last year, or ten years ago, if it was my choice, because I don't see the same picture that Jesus sees from the heavenly kingdom. But this is what it says in Second Peter chapter three, verse nine: "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise." We already know what that promise is. The promise was coming. He's not slack, as some men count slackness, but is what long-suffering to us word, not willing that. Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there is a delay for a reason, and maybe that delay is for me. Oh, my. Maybe that delay is for you. Maybe that delay is for your children. How many of you would say this? If I could delay Jesus coming by one day and my children would be saved, I would vote to delay his coming by a day. Would you join me in that? I would vote for that. Actually, I would pray for that. We have this passion. We want Jesus to come. But then we face reality and we say, yeah, now I can shake my head and I say, okay, Lord, I know you want to come too. I know you want to come too. And your delay is in mercy that maybe, that maybe, This person that I've been praying for. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's a friend. You've been praying, interceding with God for their salvation. And you know that it has not yet been, that the invitation has not yet been accepted. And you continue to pray. And you continue to plead with God. And in mercy, he is delayed. And we wait. I just want to review with you what we've talked about during this conference to see if this resonates with you. Elder Bradshaw talked about the lion, his experience with walking with the lion, right? Walking with the lions. And he said he was walking with his child in the zoo, and the the lions were stalking. He said he was never so glad to have a fence. We have a responsibility while we wait to protect our children. Jim Ingersoll shared with us how that we are at war, kind of reviewed the context of the great controversy and said, we are really at war? How do we respond when we're at war? We better put our boots on. We better put our battle gear on. We better be ready to fight. Fight for what? We better be ready to fight for our young people. In the context of education, we have a battle that we're involved in and we need to be ready to fight. Need to be watching. Elder Simon, you know, I just loved this morning. Pray using Christ's method, work using Christ's method alone. Uh, you know, what an inspiration to just hear those thoughts ringing in my ears that as I go home and I join back to the, my work there at the school and I see these students walking down the sidewalk or I see them walking by my office. I'll be inspired to do more than I've done before by engaging with them in a very personal way to reach out to them, to pray with them, to encourage them and to help them know how to to know Jesus and how to have a relationship with Him. This is what I took away from Chester's presentation. We have a physical, a mental, and emotional, spiritual nature that we're addressing. Watch, pray, and work. Redemption and education are the same thing. If we're interested in doing evangelism, go home and get started because you have an audience before you that needs the evangelism that we can bring, right? Go home and get started. It's the same work. We had a panel discussion on character development, the essentials of that and how important that is. We had a panel discussion about the importance of industry in our schools. Dr. Beardsley talked about how learning from work is so important. It needs to be a vital part of what we do, a vital part of our program, a vital part of our engagement with our students. And it really blesses us. Dr. Nedley talked about last night the crisis in education. While we wait, we must watch as one that must give an account. That little word watch became a little bit intriguing to me as I was thinking about what that meant. Because I just saw it reoccurring, 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 reoccurring. Jesus himself saying, watch, watch, watch. What does watch mean? Somebody help me out here. What does watch mean? What does that word mean anyway? Watch means what? Be aware. Be on guard. Expectation. Observe what's happening all around you. Yeah. How about this? Watch means don't sleep. Be ready. If you're watching ready. Now, we don't have time to do this, but it's a very interesting study. If you want to go back now and you want to take these three chapters and look at all the parables Jesus told after he said, or all the stories he told after he said, and then you're going to look up and see the Son of Man coming. You will find some very interesting and challenging ideas there about what Jesus was really saying. Okay? But he had something else associated with that. He didn't just say, watch, he said, pray. He said, watch and pray. Pray and As if, what? Your life depends on it. No, pray as if the life of your children depend on it. Pray as if the life of your students depend on it. Pray as if the life of your loved ones and your family depend on it. And yes, your life depends on it too. And work. This concept that God has given to every man his work is a very prevalent concept in Scripture. If you're the sentry on duty and you hear a noise, what are you going to do? Who goes there? If you're the sentry on duty and you see a shadow passing by, what are you going to do? Who is that? It can involve all of your senses. It's not just your sight. It's all of your senses are on high alert. I had this experience one time. One has distracted me a little bit. I'll just take this moment. My brother and I were driving down the road. It was 2 a.m. in the morning or maybe a little past. We weren't out on the lark. We'd been working all day, and we were coming home that night, and it was late, and both of us were tired. We were weary, and we were on a lonely country road in Tennessee. We were coming home, and we said, oh, how in the world are we going to stay awake? We're just trying to get home, you know? All of a sudden, in the middle of the road, there was this big old snake. And we kind of liked snakes, so we said, hey, a little diversion here at 3 a.m. in the morning? No problem. We slammed on the brakes, we brought the car to a stop, and we were driving a van, we brought it to a stop, and we said, Ha ha! It's not just a snake, it's a copperhead. It's a poisonous snake. Yes, and we were both energized, and we said, Whew, what are we gonna do with this? I've never seen one quite that big. Woo, yeah. Let's um let's kill him. Take him home as a souvenir. him alive then we can really show him off oh yeah so we looked around in our van and we were driving and we found a cooler now you know what coolers are like some of them today they're nice they have lids they open they close and little locks you have on them Well, this cooler didn't have that it was a styrofoam cooler and we said ah oh, well no problem we can put a snake in that and so we got the cooler on the road, and we lined it up the front of the snake, and we got behind the snake, and eventually we got the snake in the cooler. We flipped it up on its top, and we put the top on it. We said, now what are we going to do? He we said, well, you've got a snake in a cooler? You're not going to leave it in the road. you are going to put it in the van. So we put the snake in the back of the van in the cooler, and we said, I don't like this very much, because what if it gets out? So we said, well... We've got to put something around the cooler. On top of the cooler, what if the lid comes off? So by this time, we were pretty awake, and we weren't too worried about staying awake the rest of the way home. But we got a chain. We had a a chain you pull things. We had been working, so we had some tools with us. So we got a chain. We wrapped the chain around the cooler. We said, ah, can't get out chained in there. And then we got in the front seat of the van we began to drive. Now, do you think we had any problem with being sleepy. No. I was like, okay. What if we hit a bump and the chain breaks the little styrofoam cooler side out and that snake comes to find us? Oh my. We didn't sleep at all. And uh, we finally got home Now what are we going to do with the snake? It's in the cooler. My mother hates snakes. I knew that. I knew we should not bring the snake in the house because that would be a bad move. I thought, hmm, what can we do with the snake? And so the school had a freezer. snake in an icebox? We should put it in the freezer. Anyway, so... The, the point of the story is that once I knew there was danger, I had I was on high alert. I was listening for any sound, I was watching for any movement, it was dark in the van. There wasn't any lights in there, but I was on high alert. If something touches my leg, I was ready to jump out the window. You know, it was no problem. I was going to <sharp> open the door, fifty miles an hour, I don't care, I'm getting out of here. You know? If the but why is it? So we need to be on watch all the time as if we really were, in fact, facing a devil who is on the loose as a roaring lion, that old serpent, the devil. Right? Isn't that what he's called? We need to be on alert as if we're dealing with a real foe. If the the walls of uh, our understanding could be uh, opened and we could see the battle around us, Ellen White says we would be much more concerned. There is a real battle between good and evil that's happening. The angels are in this battle, and if we could see what was happening, we'd be on alert, okay? We would really be on alert. Now we're not, okay? We've got two minutes to finish. Um, work for the night is coming when no man can work. You believe that? That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said, in fact. It's not just me saying that. It's not just you looking around the world and saying, I think we're in some pretty tough times. Jesus himself said, work. For the night is coming when no man can work. While we wait, watch. Be on alert. Be on guard. Pray. Another story. So, I was listening recently to a, something about the Reformation and the story of... of um, Methodist church. Who's the founder of the Methodist church? John Wesley. He had a special place built for prayer. He had a prayer place built. And I said, that's where Methodism was born. In the prayer room. If you listen to Charles' presentation, and I wasn't here through it because I've heard it several times, but Sutherland and McGann had a special room. And as people would pass the room, they would walk quietly. Why? Prayer. They knew those men were on their knees wearing out the carpet, as it were, saying, demanding great things from a God who will do great things. As I thought about all the reasons we wait, I thought of this. I've not seen the movie, read the book, about Doss' experience, Desmond's Doss experience. There's a line, though, in the movie, and I got on YouTube and I watched it, and if you want to Google this and and just watch this little clip out of the movie, Doss is on top of the escarpment, and he is bloody and wounded and weary. But he keeps saying this over and over again as he is reaching out to drag one more wounded soul to the edge of the escarpment and let them down. He keeps saying something, Lord, Lord, let me save just one more. Let me save just one more. And he would, it shows him kind of lying on his back. He says, please, please, just one more. He would get up and he would go back into the battle. And he would find another wounded soldier. And he would say, okay, I'm going to take you to the edge. And he would drag him to the edge of the escarpment. He would tie him in his, 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 his rope and he would let him down over the edge to safety. Friends, it's real. We're in a battle Satan is attacking our young people. And yes, it is, it is not a battle for the faint of heart. It is not a battle that is easily fought. It's not a battle where you don't go away and there's not some injured people. It's real. Our young people are getting shot, as it were, by Satan in reality. They're just, you know, it's crazy what Satan is doing in our world today. I want to challenge you today think about going home and praying this prayer, not just once, but praying it every day. And when you get tired, and when your hands are bleeding from the work, and when you cannot even stand to look at yourself in the mirror, I want you to get down on your knees and say, Lord, please, just one more. I want you to think about that. What would that mean if all of us went home to our institutions, and we got down on our knees every day? These folks here come from Waynesboro, Tennessee. They're saying, Mr. Dickman, we want to start a school. Praise God. Right? Praise God. These folks from up in Virginia, we want to start a school. Romania, Korea, all over the world, lay people are being convicted to go out and do something for God. In the education work, I travel significantly with some of my other responsibilities. And as I go to these places and I see people and they hear that I have anything to do with the education work or with Madison, they say, please help us. We want to start something. I was in Brazil with the OCI meetings and just sharing their testimony. And Brother Charles and I were there. And he was talking about the Madison model and all those things. And people were just coming to us. We want to start something. Can you help us? Can you tell us what to do? We just don't know. Could our prayer be, Lord, just one more, just one more, just one more soul for your kingdom? And maybe it's just something as simple as eating in the cafeteria with the students and saying, Lord, just send the student today that needs a word of encouragement. It's been a wonderful time together, hasn't it? talking together, fellowshipping together, praying together, but it's time to go home. It's time to go back to where it's real. The rubber meets the road. There's students coming into your class and some of them are late and some of them don't have their homework done and you're a work supervisor on the farm and nobody wants to pull weeds today. Or whatever you're doing, that's the reality. But let's go home with this attitude. or just one Lord, you're waiting. We're waiting. But give us just one more. I'm going to ask Dr. Saman if he would come. And I'm going to ask um, all of us just to just get up out of your chair. Join us here. We're going to pray together for a prayer of dedication that God would help us as we move forward from here. Just, just come forward. We're going to get in a circle up here, actually, if we can manage to do that somehow
1: loving father we sense by the conviction of your spirit that we are standing on holy ground simply because you hear just like moses standing on that hot desert stand sense it was holy ground may the convictions you've given us the last few days linger and produce fruit fit for righteousness as brother dickman was sharing from his heart about focusing our prayers on one soul after another it reminded me what your servants said there are times in the past when God's people focus their attention on this soul on this soul and the other soul here and there in our spheres of influence and saying lord you must help me save the soul for you but then she said such moments are rare r-a-r-e today Rare." oh dear lord because of the enlightenment the conviction you've given us the last few days may such moments be never rare but common in every life here because we know Jesus is passing by our Nazareth in Nazareth of our offices, homes, places of work, committees, as we travel, all our spheres of influence, saying, I have wonderful things in mind to do for you. Would you please let me help us right now and he to choose to be faithful, to be believing, to be trusting, so that the floodgates might open for each one of us and we can see miracles materialize before our eyes. Dear Lord, now I pray this prayer of consecration. May the loving human arm of Jesus, our mighty prayer warrior, encircle each one of us close to his heart. And may you espouse this prayer request from my heart. Dear Lord, I believe. We believe. Help thou our unbelief. We're doing our best and that's all you want. Our best. Not good enough. But yet you come to compensate for any deficiency we have. And we know the assurance that while we throw ourselves at your feet, like Peter saying, Lord, depart from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence, yet we hold on to your feet, saying, where do we go when you have eternal life? And she said, if we do that, our utter trust in Jesus, our utter distrust of self, what happens? You will never perish while you do this, never. Oh dear Lord, may we see vision of ourselves, but a vision of you. And with that, we can be commissioned to be fishers of men. Maybe may you be our disciple, as we disciple other people to be fishers of men. And we give you the honor and glory. Connect this prayer by the use of your divine supper arm to hold on to the throne for each one of us. May we sense it in holding on the throne for every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray and for His name. Amen. Amen. This media
0: was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org